All right. Well, this is Brock Edwards. Welcome to Midlife Mastery. And today I have Amy Schmidt on of Fearlessly Facing 50. And I like alliteration. So um, even though I kind of trip over that a little bit, it's a great name. And so Amy, a little just introduction about yourself. Who are you? What do you do? Awesome. Thanks, Brock. Thanks for having me. And uh, that's pretty cool that you said fearlessly facing 50. It just kind of rolled right off the tongue there. It's not easy. It took me a long time. Um, So my story, uh, I was a a journalist back in my early 20s and was ready to set the world on fire. And then this thing happened where you fall in love and you get married. And all of a sudden, it's 11 moves, 28 years of marriage, three kids later. And I'm kind of at a point where I was thinking, where did Amy go? Of course, during that time, I I worked in corporate America. I also was a journalist for a while, but there was a period of time when I was the, you know, keeper of the CEO of the household. I was the master of everything volunteering. I was trying to manage all the schedules and, and do that. And all of a sudden, right before I turned 50, I was sitting in my house And it was quiet, which as a mom of three um, was really not typical. And uh, I just kind of sat there and thought, where's Amy gone? And I have so much more to do and give and serve. And I felt like life was just kind of passing me by and I was losing my identity. So I dug in and I decided to use the gifts that I had, you know, all these accomplishments that I had during these past 20 years of kind of raising my kids and um, and being a wife and a mom and a sister and a daughter and decided to go forward. And I launched Fearlessly Facing 50, a podcast. Um, it's not just for people fearlessly facing 50. Of course, that was kind of what I called it because that was my story. Um, I wrote a book that became an Amazon bestseller. And uh, I did a TEDx talk all about kind of empowering people at this age to um, to not look at it as a crisis, but as an opportunity. So that's kind of me in a nutshell. And um, I'm looking at the next, uh, Brock and I are both 1970 years. So raise the roof on that, you know, those Gen Xers, 1970, we got a lot to do. So um, I look at this next decade or two as, you know, when I'm really going to, um, to grow and learn and keep expanding. I, I love that approach and that philosophy and, you know, cause it mirrors mine. So of course it's a great one. Uh, I'm biased. <laughs> yeah. But uh, so you, well, first off, you said you wrote a, a book, but let's let's get the name of the book out there so people can find it if they want. Oh, to I love that. Yeah, it's called Cannonball, uh, Fearlessly Facing Midlife and Beyond. It's not just for women. Men can read it too. And uh, you'll like the cover because it's actually me on my 50th birthday jumping off a cliff in the grill. I'm petrified of heights and um, really was out of my comfort zone. But that's that's really what I was doing, cannonballing into this next phase. You know, one of the things that I, and I love that, uh, the great imagery, uh, great visual, because um, <laughs> it sort of feels like it, but some days it almost feels like we've hit the water and didn't realize we jumped. And, mm. you know, you, you mentioned something there and we were talking before we started recording. And, and really, for those of you who don't do podcasts, some of the best conversation always happens before and after you hit record, <laughs> so before true. you start recording and after you stop. Um, so Anyway, uh, we'll kind of loop back to that because one of the things that that I've noticed is, uh, well, well, you touched on this, so, so let me get that out, is that uh, your identity had changed. Mm-hmm. Like you, you mm-hmm. had hit the stage in life where who you were um, wasn't relevant to who you were then. Like the house was quiet. <laughs> and that's, exactly. a, that's a big change. You spend you know, 20, 30 years building identity and suddenly you noticed it shifted. And one of the things we were talking about is... The experience of over 50 seems to be um, 
different for men than, than for women. And, Mm -hmm. you know, on many levels, that's obvious, but I think on one of the levels that struck me and continuing our previous conversation is that perhaps men don't have as an abrupt of identity shift, right? Um, you know, they're still doing what they were doing before they turned 50 and continuing on. Now that's not to say we shouldn't because we're in a totally different stage of life. And I think it's really important to step back and rethink that. So for, for you, Amy, you know, kind of that cannonballing, um, what were some of the big lessons you had as you kind of leapt into 50? Yeah. You know, it's, it's really interesting because I I think there is a big difference between men and women. My husband is 52, um, you know, still doing what he's always been doing, which we're very blessed and grateful that he's able to do that. But it is different for women because I think we have that nurturing part of us. And if we are, um, you know, have children. I did. I I mean, I still have three kids, you know, that I was completely needed differently. They were off doing what they are supposed to be doing. And as a parent, you sit back and say, that's awesome. It's their time. But like you said, that there's a lot of changes that go on both physically and emotionally for women. Um, I think that this, what we talked about before was this, this, this gift of collaborating over competition and I think that's a big thing for me. And uh, I, I'm a huge collaborator. I love to, I've always been that way. I love to connect people. I love to engage in conversations. And I think a lot of women are are like that. And what I found is when I launched my podcast, you know, there were a lot of women that were willing to say, hey, that sounds awesome. Let me share that with somebody. Or, wow, that really resonates with me. And I don't know if men actually carry on with that type of trajectory. But I do find that, you know, really the art of collaborating and sharing what you know and there are so many commonalities uh, as women. That's one reason I ho- I started this was because I was sitting around and I'd lost my parents um, going through some health changes that came on rather suddenly. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm sitting and chatting with women and we're all having these same conversations. And so I just decided to take it that step farther and say, you know what? Dude, let's take action around it and let's inspire somebody in a different way. And I think that's really where I was when I was thinking about my cannonball moment is I had to look back and really look at what gifts I had and, you know, managing uh, being president of PTA. How many how many you know women listening to this have been a president of a PTA um, or a sports, you know, been a team mom or done, and, and, and there are parts of those jobs whether they're volunteer or not, that, you know, you're managing budgets, you're leading teams, you're bringing people together and all of those experiences translate. And that's what I use to propel myself forward into cannonballing into this whole podcast and, you know, and, and furthering that. So that's kind of where I am with that. So what inspired you to write a book? Cause that's, mm. um, can be a miserable experience. I've often heard <laughs> that it's better to have written books than to be writing books to be for writing a lot books. of people. Oh, I love that question because I've always been a writer. It's It's been a um, a release for me. I've always journaled. I've always had my kids journal, like we'd be on a vacation and we'd be journaling at the end of the day. What's the best thing about it? And what's your biggest challenge? So I've always been writing. It's been a release. Um, this book had been in my mind for a long time. And um, it is a book that uh, does share my vulnerabilities and what I've gone through that I think a lot of people can relate to death of parents, um, moving, all of those relationship changes. But uh, for me, the actual moment, and I'll share this because it it really is the reason I wrote the book, was I was living in Germany. Our family was in Germany at the time. And um, I got the phone call that my dad was in the hospital. Well, of course, I had to fly from Frankfurt, Germany to Milwaukee. There's no direct. You have to go through Chicago. 
my nephews picked me up in Chicago. We made the hour and a half trip to Milwaukee. And um, I got there and uh, I hope to this day uh, that my dad knew I was there, but it was, uh, it was a tough flight to get there and not be able to talk to my dad at that moment. And I remember having for the first time in my life, which I never had had, was um, the onset of, of a panic, a real true panic attack. Um, I'd never experienced it before. Partly, I think I was tired from traveling so long by myself. I, my husband was still with the kids in Germany. Um, and I had to leave the room. I remember the the walls of the room just closing in around me. And I I had to go outside and I sat on this cold floor of this hospital um, just outside my dad's room. And my brother came out. I'm one of five, two brothers and two sisters that are older. And my brother came out and he put his arm around me and he just said, you know, dad knows you're here. And damn it, Amy, write that book. Write that book. He would love you to write that book. I always told my dad that I wanted to write. And he said, you should write a book, Amy. So that really, really prompted me to start thinking about it. And it gave me that power of those words that I love just start. And I, and I wrote it, pen to paper. And it took me a while, but, you know, that really started it. So I, I really thank my brother for that. And I also think just, you know, I had to take that moment to just breathe and say, I'm going to do it now. Uh, that That's amazing. And um a be- beautiful inspiration behind yeah, it. Yeah, thank that, you. That, 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 that's a hard, hard moment. It was. It was. And it, for me, it was just a moment of, of true vulnerability, but also just thinking, here I am and, you know, what I had done with my life. And we had chosen to move all of these places. And I was so far away that I couldn't get back in time. But at that moment, I needed my brother just to come around and say, just do it, Amy. And he knows you're here. So that's that's really why I wrote the book. And I think a lot of these stories are shared in that book. But more importantly, the book for me too is to empower others and inspire others because it's not just my story. So many people have stories that parallel that, but at the end of each chapter, it inspires people to take action in their own life, to think about things differently. And so that's my favorite part of the book is, you know, inspiring others. So do you have any um, examples where people have come up to you or, or messaged you or anything and just said, hey, you know, this is what I did differently because of what I read? Yes. Oh, thanks for asking that. That's, I love that. Um, no one's really ever asked me that before. I, I love that. Yeah. I, it's funny. I just had this conversation with my husband the other day. Cause he said, Amy, you should write these things down. You should keep them because I do, I have an incredible community of people that have really supported and, and joined me on this. You know, it only started in November of 2019, but um, there's women that will reach out. I, I talked about something about going from a circle to a horseshoe. And for women, it's important because we kind of are a you know, circle and we don't, we don't let people in that easily. And we feel like, oh, we've got our friends. We don't need to expand that into, uh, into a horseshoe. I went to an event and there was a woman speaking and she invited women up on stage. And this is what prompted this conversation. And I shared it. And it was a woman said, you know, I'm going to invite 10 women up to the stage and I'd like you to join in a circle as tight as you can possibly can. Just, just, you know, don't link arms, but just get as tight as you possibly can. And then she said, come on up one more person. I need one more volunteer. And I want that woman to try and enter that circle. And these women didn't even realize they were doing it, but they, they just completely linked and wouldn't let her in. They wouldn't let her in. At one point, the woman was on the ground trying to get into that circle, which all of these women are mortified because they're thinking, oh, I can't believe I'm doing that. But that's just kind of what you were thinking. 
And a woman reached out to me after I shared that story. And she had been a mom of um, the, the little football players. I can't remember what they were called. My boys didn't play football, but the little ones all the way up from, you know, age six to 12th grade. And she had always sat with the same moms in the bleachers. She just had always done that. She had never opened her circle and she heard my podcast and, and some other things I had done around it. And she got back to me with this beautiful note and it said, Amy, I actually walked over to a different part of the bleachers and I sat with other moms of team members that I never knew. And it was like, ah, oh, I mean, that that's, that's what I love to do. That was inspiring change for her. That was challenging her in another way. I had um, a podcast episode with a woman who um, I highly recommend uh, if anybody listening hasn't listened to it. It's, it's a great story. It's about Victoria Knight and her son, um, 18 years old, had just signed a Division I lacrosse scholarship, um, picture of health, uh, senior in high school. And uh, Vicki, his mom, got a text in the morning and he said he wasn't feeling well. Uh, they ended up at the hospital. Long story short, he uh, ended up with uh, locked-in syndrome. So he is paralyzed. He doesn't speak. He only can speak with his eyes. Um, and that particular episode, the amount of women that reached out afterwards um, to Vicki, to myself and said, oh, my gosh, I'm a full time caregiver for my son or this happened to my neighbor. I know now what to do to help them. So those types of things, that's why I do what I do. You know, if it's inspiring one person at the end of the day to do something differently, to take action in a different way, I feel very blessed. From your perspective, from your experience, Amy, and the people you've, your own life, people you've spoken with, where do people tend to get in their own way? So we hit the stage of life. <laughs> We've got a lot yeah. going on. We've got right. habits. Where do people tend to trip themselves up? Oh, we get in our own way, don't we? Fear. Fear sets in because you think you can't do the things you used to do. Or, you know, you've experienced loss and that's stopping you in your tracks, or you've been laid off from your job, or you're facing retirement and not quite sure what that's going to look like with your partner going forward, because it's like, okay, now it's just us. Um, I think we just get stopped in fear. And I think we get, and it's funny, I, I hope you don't mind I say this, Brock, but when we were talking before the interview, you said something about being a perfectionist. And you know what? I'm I'm a recovering perfectionist. I like to say that because I kind of had those tendencies early on. And I think that stops us, at least for women. We think, oh, I, I could do it next year. I'm going to be 10 pounds thinner and I'm going to be that much more in shape. So that's when I'll, I'll cannonball or, oh, I'm just going to, you know, I have to learn more before I do it. I can't start because it's not going to be perfect. So I think that's where we get stuck. You know, with my podcast, I started it without having any, any knowledge of doing a podcast. I knew I could do the interviews because that's a skill set I had and I love conversation. Um, but the first one I did, I, I said it on my, in my Ted talk that I forgot to push record for the heart first episode. You know, I went back, you, you should have seen me Brock because I was sitting in my office and I'm like, okay, this is awesome. I just recorded the best episode. This is going to have so many downloads doing a little happy dance. And then I go back to look for the file and I never recorded it. So at that moment, believe me, self-doubt set in, all of those things that we get, like, what the heck am I thinking? I'm 50 years old. Like, who's going to be listening to this? I can't remember to put my glasses on. I can't remember where my keys are. And I can't remember how to push record. So I think that, I don't know if, if men feel that way too. I'd be curious to see what you think. But I think fear of just procrastination, perfectionism, all those things. Definitely. And I laugh because I can totally relate. <laughs> right. Isn't that true? 
you want it to be perfect. You want, yeah, yeah. Or the forget, well, you probably never forgot to record. I mean, you're a podcast expert here, so you probably never forgot to record, but can you imagine, you know, I'm, I'm, and then immediately, and the house was quiet because nobody was there. And I thought I had rocked it. I really did. And then I had to go and re-record again. And I, but I do share that story because I want people to realize that you're going to screw up and, and it's okay to make mistakes. And we learn that over time. I mean, that certainly at 30, I would have just been beating myself up and saying, well, I'm not doing it. Forget it. I, I can't. Whereas at 50, it's like, eh, who cares? You know what? If it doesn't sound great, if I say I'm too much, if I screw this up, if I forget something, it's okay. So my moment was actually, I realized I wasn't recording about five minutes into a really great conversation. And and then I had the, do I admit, I don't know what I'm doing and tell the guest, or do we just turn record on and roll? I went with that option and then did did an introduction, just recorded separately going into it. Like, Hey, we missed some really good parts of conversation. Here's what we said. (laughs) Perfect. Go from there. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Um, Exactly. Yeah. So we were talking about imperfect or perfection. And I do think that gets people in their own way in a really bad way. Um, Now you said recovering. My dad used to describe himself as a semi-reformed perfectionist. I'm writing that down. I love that. Kudos to your dad. That's awesome. I've adopted that one. And, you know, because we we talked about, I I do another podcast called Imperfect Action based on the idea that imperfect action beats perfect inaction. And I have to remind myself that all the time that no, you don't do junk, but the difference between 80 and hundred percent is not as important as we think it is. And mm. so much more, there's so much more value in just the authentic here, here it is world and, and the yes. humanness that, that comes with it. And society has this image that, that I found, and we've all seen this on social media. I spend, I love Instagram and, but we see it there as well. I refer to it as Instagram fabulous, where it's this idea where um, we have to be naturals. If we haven't become massive successes in the first 30 minutes of opening our business or putting our website up, somehow we, right. we failed horribly. And Yet that's not true. I mean, there is in the music industry, there's the idea that it takes 10 years to become an overnight success. And wow, I've never heard that. Boy, you are th- these are some jewels right here. I'm writing these down. Well, I, really, I, I never heard that. That's awesome. Um, that it's all the work that goes in behind the scenes yeah. before anyone else ever sees us. And one of the things that inspired me to start podcasting is uh, another podcaster who had mentioned that if you're not completely embarrassed by your first episode, Right. You waited too long. Mm, yes. Yes. You know, if you're waiting for everything to be perfect and you to have all the skills, you'll never get started. And there's also this idea, and I'm sorry, you kind of got me on my soapbox here with that question. No, but, awesome. I love it. Hey, um, that's the beauty of podcasting. You learn from each other. You know, that there's just the idea. Oh, and it it'll come back to me. I'll, I'll come back around to it here. But um that, that it's got to be totally right the first time around. Mm-hmm. And, and yet it's the skills that we gain from one thing that often fails that leads to something else that may not work. But, you know, three or four iterations down the road, suddenly we've acquired all those skills for that to mm-hmm. come together. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the idea that the business succeeds the first business. Um, yes. I, I just haven't experienced that. I haven't seen that. You know, there, there's right. no... We imagine that career success is like this graph with a straight line that goes up versus the spaghetti squiggle that it actually is. The real, yeah, yeah, exactly. 
And so anyway, I, I totally believe that I'm hundred percent with you there, that it's that self-doubt and, and the self-doubt that of this image that we're supposed to have, I, I think, and supposed to have it all together. And I do think that's a great vantage from 50 and beyond that we, you know, <laughs> we, 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 we've uh, been thumped in the head enough a few times to yeah. get that perspective. Um, and, and I think through our kids lens, I don't know if you see that because we have similar age kids that, you know, my 23 year old daughter is now watching through her eyes, what I'm doing at 50, which is very different for, from what my mom did at 50. Mm. Um, and I think that that's really, it, it's so cool to get a text from my kids. My, I have two boys and a girl and um, hey, mom, break a leg. You know, they know I'm doing an interview or before my TED talk, it was like, mom, kill it, you know? And, and they're seeing that. And I, especially for a young woman, I feel that there's so many changes that we go through as women at this phase of life, whether it's um, physical changes or emotional changes with friendships and relationships. Um, she's kind of seeing what I'm doing. And I hope that that inspires her when she's 50. Uh, I hope I'm around to see it. But uh, I just think that I think you and I both share that mission. And I hope that our kids are are looking at us and saying, hey, that's pretty cool. You know, that's success to me. Yeah, so, certainly hope so. Uh, you know, I look to my own mom in much the same way. I mean, she's what, 75 this year, I think. And right. uh, my father passed five years ago. One of the first things she did was buy a scooter. And start really? ripping, ripping around town on that. Uh, she wow. every time she came out to visit, it was something different. We uh, went indoor skydiving. She wants to go, you know, outdoor awesome. skydiving. Um, she amazing visited a piercing shop with my daughter. Next amazing. year, year after that, we ended up going to a folk metal concert. She was very front row against the amps. And, uh, and by the way, here is a pro tip. When you go to concerts and you go with this, um, my, my daughter is looks much younger than she is, very, very petite. She tends to just get up on the front row and people just Does let she? her yeah. let her up. Yeah. 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 And then when, then when you know, you're with a 73 year old grandmother, I mean, like you're, no you're, one's going to push you to the I back. I was going to say <laughs> you are you are front and center. Yes. I love it. Uh, anyway, so yeah, she's just life full on and I love that and hope to do that, um, when, when I'm her age and hope to even do that now. Cause I think she's distancing me even now. <laughs> <laughs> um, so which really leads to the idea and, uh, you, you, you've emphasized this idea before in the past that, you know, never too old, never too late. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, tell me a little bit about that because, um, you know, we do go through changes. I, used to have perfect vision. Now I seem to own a lot of glasses that I can never find. Um, yes. You know, don't have the, I don't recover physically as quickly as I used to from exercise, those sorts of things. I mean, we're different life stage. So, but never too old. Why, why do we even get into the trap of thinking that, oh, we're just we're too, too old. old. Yeah, it, it's true. I really shouldn't say never too old and never too late, but I think look at what we're doing right now. You know, we're, we're recording this, we're using technology. Um, you know, the, the power of just how many times you use Google in a day. I mean, you think of what we have at our fingertips. We're not too old to learn something new. I'm really, I love to, my mantra is just engage in lifetime learning. You know, I mean, go to the Genius Bar. I wrote it in my book. I went to the Genius Bar so many times when I was launching this podcast, they probably were muttering under their breath. Oh no, here she comes again. But it was okay because I learned. And I think that's why you're never too old. I mean, and, and it, for women, I, I get this feedback a lot. You know, I, I, I've used it because it's happened to me over the time. You know, women, it, they like to go into a room and they like to see somebody that they recognize. 
whether they're going to a meeting at church or they're going to a school meeting or they're going to a volunteer meeting, they want to see somebody they recognize. It's a comfort. And uh, so I challenge people that listen to my podcast that if you, if you really want to try yoga and you really want to learn about it, sign up for a yoga class. And when you get to the parking lot, don't turn around and go to Starbucks because you know you want to because you don't want to go in. You, it's so hard to push through that, but you never know what's going to be in that room. It could be a new friendship. It could be something new that you learn that you is a new passion. So I think when I say never too old, never too late, follow your passion, what you've wanted to do. Um, and and just, just start, you know, get up, get dressed and get going. Those are the six words that you have to do. Even those days when you want to pull the sheets back over, you know, with, with the pandemic and with the uncertainty and with job layoffs, I know there's rough days and there's tough times and we're all a bit in a funk. But you know what? Pull the sheets back off over your face, get up and get dressed and do something, whether it's walking to the mailbox. I had one woman say she actually walked to the mailbox and then she decided to go across the street and she rang the doorbell and she wanted to walk away because she heard like a a baby crying and, you know, something going on behind the doors. And she thought, oh, this is I'm not going to have anything in common with this person. But she went and did it. And she ended up now helping out, being a caregiver over there. This woman has two little children. Her husband's a pilot. I mean, they learned all these new things about each other. And if you don't do it, you never know what opportunity is going to be there, what you're missing out on. So that's why I say you're never too old. And by the way, that is a great name for your next book. Get up, get dressed, get going. That is a fabulous book title. Yeah, there you go. Because you have to. You just have to. Once you get up and get going, it's all about forward momentum, right? You just got to get going. And there are days you don't want to, but but you really have to. So I have a, a friend who who's an entrepreneur, um, pretty successful at turning companies around. And one of his key performance indicators, KPI, so if you'd like to geek out on that stuff, uh, yeah. is momentum. He, momentum. He, he doesn't look at the traditional measures. He is looking at what kind of momentum are we building through our actions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it does I make think- such a difference, doesn't it? I think so. Yeah. It's about just, just moving forward with whatever that looks like. Uh, you know, I use it with cannonball a lot because, you know, you probably remember those days. I, I, that's how I started. My Ted talk was just with a visualization. Cause I'm a big visualizer, you know, going to the pool when you were 10 and, and you have all your friends there and you're so excited to get over to that diving board at our public pool, there was a high dive and a low dive and you get in line for that high dive and you would, you would skip rungs, get into the top of it. And, and just couldn't wait until that lifeguard gave you the all clear to go jump off and cannonball, you know, make this impressive splash and come up and make sure everybody's watching you because you just did the best one ever. And then I parallel that to where we are now and how, you know, that procrastination thing that 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 keeps us from moving forward saying, oh, I don't I can't do a cannonball. Are you kidding me? I, I have to lose 10 pounds or oh, it's not going to look great or everybody's going to watch me. Or like some women have said, oh, but then I have to get out of the pool and that's going to be worse. You know, I got to make my way over to the ladder, which, yeah, is never pretty, but um, it's not going to be pretty. And you got to start ugly, but it is about momentum. It really is. And, and, and here's the funny thing. We are attracted to people who are authentic and vulnerable, who can be a little goofy and laugh at themselves. Mm-hmm. And the paradox is that all of us are terrified to do that, right? We're, we're, right. <laughs> we don't want to appear the beginner. We don't want to appear foolish. We don't want to be ungraceful getting out of the pool. Exactly. And yet the people who just can own and rock that, we all want to be their friends. We, we all yeah. want to connect with them. So let, let's talk about the, this authenticity because, you know, a lot of folks our age and there, there's a big emphasis from the world on 
recapturing youth. In fact, if you watch marketing, you would think we're all supposed to just go be 20, but be 50. Yeah. And, and yeah. it doesn't work, uh, at least from my mm-hmm. experience. So I love, I, I'm much more into the idea of embracing now mm-hmm. and being the best I can be at, at 50 versus trying to be who I was at a different point in life. So from your perspective, um, well, first off, why are we so, so many of us afraid to embrace now? We, we cling to something else. Mm-hmm. And and what's the best way that we can just embrace now? And I know those mm. are two big questions, so just kind of jump in where, wherever it makes sense. Wow. No, they are big questions. But yeah, we have to embrace now. And there was a study done, University of Georgia, back about five years ago. And uh, it was a group of women that were in between 47 and 52. And when they looked in the mirror, they were immediately disappointed with what they saw. Mm. And that oh, that just gives me goosebumps. That's heartbreaking because... What they wanted to see was this image of a 25-year-old. You know, when you look at pictures and you go, wow, I look like that? I was that thin? Or wow, was that fit? Or wow, my hair was that color? I mean, you know, you look at those things and you immediately judge yourself. And um, so I, I really am uh, one of those people that it's easy to do. You look and you, but I look at those wrinkles, those lines, those tired eyes as those are all stories that you've you've had, all of those accomplishments and uh those challenges and those mistakes you've made, they're all showing up and that's part of you. So embrace that, embrace the now. I agree completely. And uh, one thing I like to motivate people to do is just that power of self-affirmations. It's nothing new. It's what Muhammad Ali said. Um, I'm the greatest of all time. And he said that before he even knew he was, you know, I mean, it's those, the power of affirmation of writing a few things down to say, Hey, I am smart. I am beautiful. I'm capable. I'm blessed write them down and stick them somewhere in your nightstand or on that mirror when you get up in the morning and you look at yourself and you think, oh, I look tired, but you're beautiful, you know, or you're, you're capable, you're confident. That's how I approach that. But yeah, being in the now, I mean, treat your body as, as, and, and also give yourself permission. I had a physical not that long ago and the, the doctor actually sat down next to me and um, she said, she just put her hand on my knee. She's known me a long time. And she said, Amy, you've been on this earth for over five decades. Think about that. You know, treat your body with respect. Give yourself permission to rest when you need to, but embrace the now. And that's how I look at it. So why do we hesitate to do that? I mean, because mm. now is all is who we are, is all we have. And right. yet it's tough. And, and you, you already touched on this a little bit, because some of it is we look in the mirror and we're kind of wondering who that person is, because that's not. They've changed. Yeah. As we all have. I mean, we've all changed. Yeah, we've grown. We've, yeah, I, I don't know. It, it is hard to embrace that. It really is. It's hard to embrace the now, but but we got to look forward. You know, I'm looking so forward to what's going to come in the next 10 years of being 61 or 62. I mean, I, I just look forward to that because it, you have more time um, and invest it wisely, you know, whether it's around your relationships, your friendships, what you do, your passions, invest wisely. So for, from your perspective, Amy, what, what have been some of the advantages of middle age? Now, I mean, any of us can list out the disadvantages, but all life stages have advantages and disadvantages. Yeah. And, and yeah. uh, we, we sometimes forget that. But for you, and we touched on this a little bit, what's really been the power of, you know, being 50 and beyond? Mm, I think the power is just owning who you are and being comfortable in that skin and realizing that this is who I am. This is what I'm, I'm uniquely me and I've got things to do and gifts to share and I'm going to do that. And I think that's the biggest part for me is really just embracing this time and realizing that when I open the door in the morning or I see a sunrise, 
I know it sounds like an old person, but, you know, I really take in those moments. And, um, you know, I remember this summer, like, I have time now. My kids are off doing working, you know, at, at college, doing incredible things with their life. And I remember opening the porch door, which creaks. And I usually remember it creaking when they come home after curfew or whatever, you know, you hear that creak, but I opened it up and I just kind of took a deep breath and exhaled and thought, wow, look at all of this that really I had missed out on because I was always busy with my kids and doing this, but I just looked at the beauty around me and thought, wow, this is what I have to look forward to. So much more to explore. Well, do you ever get a people who, and I don't know if they say this out loud, but you know, I'm not you. I, I have different circumstances. You don't know my <laughs> spouse. You don't know my situation. My, your kids are great. Mine, I don't know where they came from. You know, what, whatever it is. Right. Um, I hate my job, hate my boss, you know, whatever. My life is different from yours. What has been your response or, or your counter to that in, in trying to inspire others? Yeah, I think, I think that's so true. I mean, you know, you have a woman that says, oh, I I got the flu shot, but I'm going to get the flu, you know, or my company's going through a layoff. I know it's going to be me. You have to turn those around and you have to, you know, create these self-affirmations, these power statements about you, these greatness statements about you. And look at those because that everybody has greatness within them and you have to just turn off those negative self thoughts. And they're so easy. Um, You know, don't think Dr. Amen calls them uh, ants, right? A negative thought. And they're running around all the time. Um, you have to just push those aside. And I think that's what it is. And just change that mindset. It really is about shifting your mindset. Where can people begin? So if they're not familiar with, you know, kind of the, these great greatness statements, mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. even right. you mentioned journaling, or, you know, just general positive thinking, where's a good place <laughs> to start? Oh, that's such a good question. I'll, I'll tell you. And it, and it is, it's treating yourself like a guest of honor for a minute. That is where you start. And that is actually taking the time, man, woman, it doesn't matter. Take 25 minutes, 30 minutes of your day today and look back at what you've accomplished. Uh, every Everything. You're the keeper of your stories. Look at all those unique things that you've done over those last 10, 20 years, maybe even further back and write them down. And then look at that and say, wow, I've accomplished all these things. And then start categorizing them a little bit and saying, oh, yeah, I do have this and I do have this. Oh, I've always wanted to do this. And that'll propel you forward. I'm telling you, if you take that time to self-reflect of what you've accomplished, those all translate forward. And I think that's a really important step. And, uh, and, and really, it's taking the time and not looking back with rose-colored glasses and saying, oh, that was amazing. Oh, way back when I did that. No, it's looking at that and saying, wow, I did that. But that I've grown so much from. I can do this. I think that's where I would start. Well, very good. Well, what what haven't I asked you or, or what kind of <laughs> final words or advice w- would you give to folks who are kind of, you know, who, who are trying to figure out 50 and 60? Yeah. Yeah. I think those six words, get up, get dressed and get going. Those are the biggest things, whatever that looks like for you, your circumstance, your story, it's different for everybody, but just get up, get dressed and get going and, and you'll figure it out. You will figure it out. And another thing I like to do and and you know, I'm a talker. I told you that Brock is, you know, look at your, find your friend, your anchor, somebody that knows you the best and go to them and, and really challenge them. And I know this is awkward, but ask them, Hey, you had all of these people in the world to choose as a friend. Why did you choose me? 
And from that, you really uncover your value of what you bring to other people and, and listen to it and absorb. And I've done this with friends and they're like, Amy, I've known you for 20 years. Of course, you know why I'm your friend. No, not really. Tell me more. And I'll tell you, those little things that that show you where you add value in people's lives are another way to propel you forward. So that's my that's my hints. I love the intentionality of that because it, it <laughs> is easy to not know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, all right. So the book's Cannonball. The podcast is Fearlessly Facing 50. Yeah. Yeah. Where else can people find you if they want to find more? You know, I'm on, of course, I'm on all the socials, um, amy.k.schmidt on Instagram. Um, it's that because my kids said you cannot be fearlessly facing 50 on Instagram. So I used my name. <laughs> that is a true story. Um, it is Fearlessly Facing 50 on Facebook. And uh, my website is, as you would guess, www.fearlesslyfacing50.com. I've got great events on there. I do a live show as well. I just had on a woman, um, incredible woman who started her business uh, in her forties and is a success with something called Chair Whimsy. She was on in, you know, kind of inspiring people to be creative. I have all sorts of different live shows as well. It's different content from my podcast. So I'm always busy with that. Um, but check out the website and you'll, you'll learn a lot from there, you know, for sure. And this is such a pleasure. It was such, so great connecting with you, Brock. You have, you have a great mission of going forward and I can't wait to connect you with some people and you're going to soar. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate you being on today, Amy. Yeah, it was awesome.